Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Hope you have a great week, first week of the year. Anybody been cold? Man, it's been so cold. Can you believe it snowed in Charleston? I've, I've got an aunt and uncle, Harold and Miriam, and they sent me a picture of their backyard. This is in Goose Creek. It's like eight inches of snow in Goose Creek. And then there's another picture of the beach on the Carolina coast. I mean, who would have ever thought there'd be snow on the beach? I mean, it has been so cold and cold weather does something to you. You ever tried to text message in the cold weather? I mean, I've been having problems with that. And Patty said, you know what the problem is, Morning? He said, that's the, she said, that's the early signs of typothermia. Speaking of cold, it's been a long time since it's been this cold. But I remember like, what, about four years ago when we had the ice storm? Man, it was cold during the ice storm. Uh, I'll never forget when the news got out about the ice storm coming to town. Our phone started ringing and people started inviting themselves over to our house. Anybody ever invited themselves over to your house? Which we didn't mind. But by the time the storm hit, every bedroom was filled and plus people were sleeping on our couch. Now the problem was during the ice storm is the electricity went out all over the area. Remember that, don't you? We were okay though. We had a gas fireplace and then we had a gas stove. We had a secret weapon. Patty's car had... uh, uh, an outlet where you can plug in uh, an extension cord in her car. So if you kept her car running, we could watch TV and drink coffee, in which we did that too. Um, and so everything was good. It was like a party going on. And so until about two days into this adventure on Thursday, I started smelling something. Now, what's that I smell? It doesn't smell good. I went into the house and looked at our lift station. We have a sewage lift station underneath the house, and it's run by electricity. Mm -hmm, You get it. It was not lifting it up. And as a result, it was pouring out. So I am under the house. It is freezing cold and raw sewage running underneath my house. And I had made this. I said, I got to get these people out of my house. (laughs) Got to go. It's time over. The party is over. Well... You know, if you've ever had somebody invite themselves, you know how that feels. Well, today I want to talk to you about a story in the Bible where Jesus invited himself over to somebody's house. The story is told in Luke chapter 19. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Now, many of you uh, who have grown up in church, maybe you've heard the story about Zacchaeus. You know, especially if you've been in kids ministry, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. And so... Um, that's a song that we'd also sing in Vacation Bible School and so forth. But anyway, this is his story. It's found in Luke chapter 19, beginning reading in verses 1 and following. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector. And notice this, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. So he ran ahead. He climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. 
immediately, for I'm going to come stay at your house today. So he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. Now, we read this story about this guy named Zacchaeus. What do we really know about him? Well, tradition tells us that he was the shortest man in all of Jericho. It could have been that he was a little person. I don't know. But if you're going to be the shortest man in all of town, probably you're going to be raised and being ridiculed and made fun of along the way. So no doubt that Zacchaeus enters into this story uh, with some uh, baggage along the way of how people have treated him or people have discounted him. But we go on and what else do we know? We know that the Bible says he was a tax collector, but not only that, that he was the chief tax collector. And we know that, that people hated tax collectors. People just hated them. And the reason people hated tax collectors is because of the Roman government here. They're living in, in Jericho. The Roman government came in and, and, um, and forced them to pay taxes to Rome. And in fact, they would go this to this point. Let's say if Augusta, Georgia was the region, they say that, okay, who could collect the most money from Augusta, Georgia? And there'd be a bidding war. And somebody said, okay, I think I can get a hundred million dollars of taxes out of Augusta. Okay. You got the, you got the account. And so whatever that person would raise over a hundred million, that's what they would get to keep personally. And so this is how that system worked. And so the chief tax collector did the bidding and he made all the excess cash. So people looked at him as a traitor, as a scoundrel. They wouldn't even allow him to go into the synagogue because he was the lowest of the low. So that's part of his story. But he was wealthy. He had everything that he thought he ever wanted, except he didn't have what he really needed. He needed a relationship with God. And there was something on the inside of him that was crying out for, and he, and, uh, for more, for, for God. But he didn't even, couldn't even really put terms on that. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you yourself, you've been uh, blessed with opportunity. You've been um, blessed with just living in America. And uh, all of the things that come with that. And we have all the latest editions. We have all the latest styles. But you know what? All that stuff you got for Christmas a couple of weeks ago, it's going to go out of style before long. That stuff is not going to fill the void in your life. That void that has been put in your life has been put in your life by God and God alone. And it has been created for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, Zacchaeus had this longing to know him. So he heard Jesus was coming to town. And he ran ahead and he climbed up in this tree. And that's two things that a Middle Eastern man wouldn't do. He would not run, which means that he would have to uh, undignify himself by picking up his robe and running. And they just didn't do that. And then a Middle Eastern man would not climb a tree. But Zacchaeus says, I don't care what the culture says. He ran ahead of the crowd. He climbed the tree just so he could get his eyes on Jesus. He never expected Jesus to put his eyes on him. So we see uh, verse five, when Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus. I would imagine when he heard his name, he was shocked. He was shocked. How, How did he know my name? He knew his name because God was looking for him. Jesus was looking for him. Here's the point. You can fill this in the blank. And those in the video venue, I want you to fill out the blank too. 
said, God is not only looking for you, he knows exactly where you are. God is not only looking for you, he knows exactly where you are. God knows your name. God knows where you are. There's never been a moment in your life where God has taken his eyes off of you. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. And you've got to understand, this guy was the most hated guy in all of Jericho and Jerusalem. Hated guy. But Jesus loved Zacchaeus. And he did something to change all of that. And so there's two responses when we hear this story. There's two responses that we can have to the story. First of all, there may be some of you that can identify that. You, you have everything that the world can offer, but yet there's this hole in your heart that I was talking about. Today is your day to, to consider taking that next step and consider a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, there's a second group of us here, too. That second group would say, that I know somebody like Zacchaeus. I know somebody that has been spiritually blinded by the world. I know somebody that is far, 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 far away from God. And so if you know somebody that is far away from God, what are you going to do to help connect the two? What are you going to do to help the connect that person who is far from God with, that, with God himself? Because you see, we are the connecting points. You know, I struggled with that early on. How do I fulfill this? The, the last part of this uh, uh, story, verse 10, says Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And he, he's using that concept. How do I say, seek and save the lost? I really, really, really struggled with that in the early days of this church and growing up. Why did I struggle with that? Because I grew up in a tradition that said, I want you to come out from among the world and be separate. So if you didn't look like me or talk like me or think like me or vote like me, that you were not welcome in my group. Okay? That was, that was how it was. And so they were very good about encouraging us to come out from among the world. But there's another part of the equation that says that we need to come out and be, uh, from, separate ourselves from the world, but to go back into the world to be a light. I didn't get that part. I didn't understand what it means to be a light. In fact, I would read that or, or uh, I would see the come to seek and to save that which was lost. And I just didn't know how to do that. And let me say this. I'm five years into starting this church. We're five years into having church. We're having a good church. I mean, we've we got the choir robes going. we got everything that looks like a good church going on. But God is saying, no, I've called you to be a church of the harvest. You know the story. And I had to say, God, I don't know how. And then I was introduced to these seven steps I'm going to share with you today. And I'm telling you, this was revolutionary for this congregation. And so many of you come to Stevens Creek and you try to figure out the secret behind the sauce of that church. Here's the secret. This is the secret. What I'm going to show you today, this message, this, these seven steps revolutionized this congregation and really made it into what it is today. So many times people come to our church and they try to figure out what's behind it. Well, this is what's behind it. You know, we're probably one of the first contemporary churches in town, us in the vineyard. And, and after that, everybody else was kind of looking to us. But being a contemporary church is more than drums and media and drama and all that kind of stuff. 
It's about reaching people. That's what it is about. It's not putting on some kind of a show. It's about helping people take their next step toward God. And so these seven steps changed my life. Here's here's why. Because when I saw these these seven steps over 25 years ago, it clicked. I get it. I understand. Now I can do what God has called us to do. Now I can... Uh, help people come to faith. Okay, so as we look at this, here's what I need you to do. I need you to listen to these seven steps and figure out at what step are you. Where are you in this process? Okay, where are you in this process? So here's what we're trying to do. We're thinking right now about our friend, our friend that we love, our friend that we've worked with for 10 years or 15 years, our friend that we play baseball with, our friend that our kids uh, um, uh, play together. How do I get somebody like this that we love that is far from God? How do we get them to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Okay, or how about this? How do we get somebody that we don't even know yet, but we kind of see them to take their next step toward God? Here it is, these seven steps. The very first one, you hear me say this all the time. I want you to be nice to people. Be nice. Now, 25 years ago, we didn't use that phrase there. We just said build a relationship with an unchurched person. But over the years, it's kind of morphed. And I've just tried to tell you over and over, just be nice. Be nice to people. Because when you're nice to people, first of all, they're shocked. Why are you being nice to me? But what happens is their, their guards go down. Be nice. Be a friend to people. Develop a relationship. Be kind. You know, the Bible says that there's kindness that can lead to repentance. And so we, as the representatives of Jesus in this community, listen to me, those in the, uh, the video venue, those in the atrium, we are the representatives of Jesus in this community. If we're representing him, we need to be nice to people. And, and realize that people matter to God. And if they matter to God, then they ought to matter to us. Hashtag people matter is not some newfangled phrase that we've had here at the, at the creek. It is something that goes back over 25 years. That we've been declaring that people matter. People matter enough that we're going to be nice to them and we're going to build a relationship with them. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to be intentional. We're going to be intentional about maybe where we shop and maybe we go to the same grocery store and we try to get in the same line of that cashier that we were, uh, saw last week and we, we see that produce person or we see that other sales rep and we just build that relationship. And over time, there's a friendship that's going to be formed. Be intentional about it. Maybe, maybe where you buy gas or maybe where you, uh, those things that you do for fun. Maybe you like to golf. Maybe you're in a bowling league. I want you to think about including people who are far from God on your bowling league team or, or in your um, softball team. Just think about that. How do you include, how do you build a relationship? It begins with kindness and you just be a friend to them. That's what we're talking about. It is so important that we are uh, friendly to people. Here's the second thing. As we do that, what's going to happen? The power of the Holy Spirit is going to get involved in that conversation. Because you see, God wants that person in his family more than you want that person in his family. 
So God will be working behind the scenes to have that person ask you questions. I don't want you to be forceful. I don't want you to beat anybody over the head with the Bible. I don't want you to quote the King's English. I don't want you to be weird. I want you to be normal. Okay? Don't be weird and wear a Stevens Creek t-shirt. Okay? Please. Please. Don't put a Stevens Creek sticker on your car and be weird. Be normal. You don't have to be weird to love Jesus. You can be a normal person. Okay, so that was not in the notes, but that was good, wasn't it? (laughs) And so as you develop this relationship, the Holy Spirit's going to get involved and going to prompt that person to ask questions. And they're going to ask you questions and say, you know what? I don't know all the the theological um, things behind this. This is just what happened to me. Just tell them your story. Nobody knows your story better than you do. So just tell them your story. Say, look, this is what's happened to me. I was going through a hard time in my life. A friend of mine invited me to Stevens Creek. I found the grace of Jesus there, and now my life is better. That's all. That's all I want you to do. Just tell them your story. Or you can say, look, I am as screwed up as you are, but I have been going to church. And so that's reality, too. And so, uh, because this ain't a place for perfect people. How many times have you heard, if you're looking for a perfect church, you got off the exit ramp one too soon. We ain't it. And so, step number two, you've got to uh, just tell your story. But in that process, you're listening to people. And you're, you're hearing them say, oh, things are not going well, or maybe I'm not from around here, or this is not what I signed up for. You hear those knots, then you know that is an invitation for you to say, hey, why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? That needs to be on your lips this week. Why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? Invite somebody to church. Say, come on. Funny thing happened two weeks ago. We were at a restaurant, Patty and I were talking to the hostess there. Say, hey, why don't you come to church with us uh, this week? And uh, it's Christmas Eve, you need to be in church and so forth. And then, so this past week I went to the restaurant and they said, Hey, Pastor Marty said, I came to church and you weren't there. <laughs> I said, it was New Year's Eve, I was off. But anyway, so sometimes it's just an invitation. Just say, come to church with me, invite them to church. And if you will take that risk and invite your friends to church, here's what we will do. We will work so hard to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that they get it, the way they understand it, the way that will change and impact their life. We'll use music, we'll use media, we'll use anything we can to try to get the message um, in their spirit. And so I just want to encourage you to join with us. Invite somebody to service this week. Um, send them a text message. You know, send them a, a, a post it on their wall, on Facebook, or whatever, it, how you communicate to your friends. I want you to do that. Invite them to church. Here's what we believe. We believe that over time, that the Spirit of God is going to soften their heart And that their lives will be changed. It may not happen this week. It may not happen next week. It may not happen the following week. But over time, what happens? People come in here. And it is so interesting. I was sitting by somebody, uh, a first timer, a guy um, on Christmas Eve. And he had to come in late because he was sitting right 
by me on the front row. So you know that, uh, that he's here late. But I watched him and just tears just flowed down his uh, cheeks the whole time. He gave his heart to the Lord on Christmas Day. Now he's in a rehab, a Christian rehab, learning what it means to follow Jesus and be sober. It's the power of that invitation. And then the power of God when they get here in the place. And so uh, it's interesting, you know, we worked and worked to get my next door neighbor, this is several years ago, to come to church. And so we came to church and we we're excited that he was there. And he could, you know, no activity, no movement, you know, and uh, a month went by, two months, three months. Finally, about nine months into it, one day I, I saw him lift up his hand to receive Christ. What am I saying? I'm saying that sometimes it takes time for people. They've got to work through. They've got to know if you, they trust you and they trust this church and they trust the Lord, all of that. And so this is a safe place to invite your friends that have questions and that have doubts. They don't quite get it. They, were, they don't know about God and Jesus and Christmas and Easter and all that stuff. And, and all of that, they're just kind of checking us out. So let them come to this place where we're not going to force something on them. We're not going to push uh, them into an area, but we're just going to encourage them to take their next step. And so that's why it's so important. And we believe during this process that somewhere along the way, they're going to realize that their next step is to come to faith in Jesus Christ, to, put the, to make Jesus the leader and the Lord of their lives. And so that's when they move to step number four. And they become a worshiper here. They become a part of the church. They go through next steps. Uh, they join the church. They, they start attending weekly. They, they learn what it means to be baptized. They learn what it means to receive communion. They learn what it means to be involved in 21 days of prayer. And as Dave said, get the junk out of your life so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is where really the, their hearts start to change. And maybe some of you are there right now that your hearts start to change. And you think and act completely different now than you did this time last year. Because of that grace of Jesus has been extended to you. So the next step, what's your next number five is to join a small group. Why is this important? Because you need a friend and I need a friend. And we believe that uh, life change happens best in the context of community. And so small groups are are, are uh, smaller groups, anywhere from eight to 15 people or so that gather some in homes, some here at the church, some around an activity, uh, whether it's a Bible study or some may be a kayaking group or some may be a ballroom dance group, um, a running group, a workout group or whatever. But you get connected with a group of people that you do life with. A group of people that you enjoy being with. Okay, and that that you find strength and that you become their strength in time of need. This is a key element at the end of this month. We're going to have connect night where we're going to help get you connected to a small group if you're not already in a small group. So that's like in 14 days from now. So so think about that. Small groups. Here's the next step. We want you to come to the place where you're willing to volunteer. This is a volunteer intensive organization. I mean, just think about what we do here at Stevens Creek. It's amazing what we do. And uh, we need volunteers. And so I encourage you, God has given you gifts and talents to use 
And I want you to roll up your sleeves and use them for his benefit to, to strengthen this church and to see this church become the people that we've been called to be. And here's the, uh, the seventh step. Learn, you love enough to give. You know, some people say, okay, you're talking about giving. Why don't you put uh, dollar signs here? Because it's not about dollar signs. It's about a heart. That we love this place enough and we love the work here enough that, that we would be willing to give our resources, to bring our tithes to the Lord so that God can fund his work. Because it takes money to do ministry and we get that. And so those are the seven steps. Imagine this. You've got this guy that was far from God. Okay, and he's over here and what happens? You're nice to him and you build a relationship. You become his friend. Well, in the process of that, you don't force it, but he asks you questions and you just simply tell your story. And then while you're telling your story, you just say, hey, why don't you come to church with me this week? And then before you know it, he's sitting in a service and God starts to soften his heart and God starts to change him. And he receives Christ and he's baptized and he joins the church. And he's tell, he says, I'm going to get in a small group. And all of a sudden, in that small group, he starts to disciple, get discipled. And then he starts to volunteer and he serves. And all of a sudden, he's wearing a blue shirt. And he hates blue, but he loves wearing the shirt because he wants to be a blue shirt. And then finally, he comes enough. He loves the church enough that he's willing to give. Those are the seven steps. And I'm telling you, that may seem simple to you, but I'm telling you, it changed my life for the first time in my life. And by that time, look, I had a master's degree in religion. And by that time, I I was ordained by the denomination. Um, And so I was set professionally, but I didn't get it. I didn't know how to take somebody who was far from God and see them through becoming a fully devoted follower. And when I saw these seven steps, I said, yes, I can do that. And so over 25 years ago, we started doing that. And that's why I keep on saying, be nice to people, be, be nice to people. Because you look around this crowd here and over uh, a couple hundred people out in the watching on video in the atrium. They're here today because somebody like you were kind to them and said, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? So let me ask you a question. Where do you see yourself in these seven steps? We're all somewhere. Maybe you've completed that. Here's what you need to do is you need to start building a relationship, being intentional, being nice to people. Let's go back to the story of Zacchaeus. As Jesus was walking through town, there were hundreds and hundreds of people. And when he passed by Zacchaeus, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down here immediately. I would imagine Zacchaeus thought, how does he know me? How does he know my name? Here's the point. Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows everything about you. Zacchaeus was a man who was a scoundrel. They wouldn't even allow him in the synagogue. But Jesus stopped and said, you matter to me. You matter to me. And Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' home for dinner. He said, come down immediately. I'm going to stay at your house. So he came at once and he welcomed him. I think Zacchaeus was saved before his feet hit the ground. He took Jesus up on his offer for a relationship. And the very fact that he said that was unbelievable. Because the people couldn't believe that that Jesus was going over to the house of a sinner. Jesus was making a statement to that crowd and making a statement to us. 
doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. But Jesus looks at you and says, you are welcome here. You can come. And all your junk and all your messed up lives and all your bad decisions and all that self-righteousness and all that judgmental attitude and all of that, you bring it on to Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've come from. Jesus says, come home. Come. Come home. He goes on, verse 9, says, Today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come. And he goes on in verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save. That was lost. That's the good news. He came to seek and to save. Jesus came today to seek you out. You know, for years we call uh, this service right here, invite to a service, we call this a seeker service out of this very verse. He came to seek and to save. And we said every Sunday morning is going to be a seeker service. That we're going to do our very best to open up the gospel in a way that people can understand it. For those people who are seeking God, we're going to be there for them. And so that's why Stevens Creek is not for everybody. Stevens Creek is not. Stevens Creek is not for those that are looking uh, to get a graduate degree in theology through the Sunday morning messages. It's just not. We could do that, but that's not our calling. Our calling is somehow to throw out the lifeline. Our calling is to somehow to tell that friend of yours, yes, I know you've had a hard day. I know it's been a tough month, but you matter to God. And if you matter to God, you matter to our church. And that's why we do this. And that's why we're going to continue to do this. Because we believe this is uh, our mission in this community. Our mission is to share the good news. Today, some of you probably need some good news. And Jesus is here for you. Jesus is here for you. I want to pray for you. And then after uh, my prayer, I want to talk to you about a couple of two other things. But what is it that you need the Lord to do in your life today? Are you lonely? Are you hurting? Are you in pain? Have you had broken relationships? Are you struggling with an addiction? Are you just not fulfilled? Maybe you got everything you want and you know, you, you just don't feel it. You just don't. Or maybe you're locked into a, a bad relationship. Maybe you're locked into a bad job. Whatever that is. I say to you, bring it to the Lord in prayer. Give it over to him. So what is it that you need from the Lord today? I want you to reach under your, your seat and there's a book right here called the 21 Days of Prayer book and there's a prayer card on that. What do you want God to do in your life? What do you want God to do in your family? How about your kids? How about that job? There's a card in this book that says, Today I am praying for. Today I want you just to, in faith, Write it out. Say, God, I need help. And just write it out. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Maybe you're struggling with trying to know God. You're struggling with what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're struggling with what it means to be sober. 
What is that thing? What do you need from God? I would encourage you to write it out. Today, I am praying and I am believing for this. I'll give you a couple of seconds. Here's what we're going to do. You and I are going to agree together. And we're going to pray that God touches that need that you've written down right there. Some of you are saying, I need to be saved. And you're writing that down there. I need to be saved. And we're going to pray pray, and we're going to believe God. And here's the second thing we're going to do is that after service, you're going to come and just lay that, that prayer card on this stage. And I promise you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. that people will be taking these cards and they will be praying for you in that need that you've just written down. That you're not going to walk through this thing alone. But there's going to be scores of people that are going to lift up that card that you're writing on and say, God, touch this situation right here. And at 7 o'clock, there will be a a group of people that will gather for a service. And and that service will be a part of that service is taking these cards and calling on the name of the Lord so that God will touch that need written on your card. Some of you may even want to take the next step and take that dry erasable marker and write that name of that person on those windows. And say, God, save my friend. I'm writing his name. You notice that the windows are clean because we pray new prayers for the new year. And we'll fill those windows up as we go through the year. So are we ready to pray? And after prayer, I still have one more thing to talk to you about. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your power would rest upon your people today. I pray for people in this auditorium. I pray for people right now in um, our atrium. I pray, Father, for people watching online. I pray that this moment would be a moment where uh, their eyes are opened. This moment would be a moment where their hearts become tender. And that they say, Jesus, come and help me. Jesus, guide me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, fill me. God, let people cry out today. And God, as they cry out, I ask that you would hear and answer prayers. So, Father... We receive what you have. Just say that. Say, God, I receive your blessings. I receive your favor. I receive your strength. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give him praise today. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.